On tonight's Dad Band Land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. That felt a little like you don't want to even be here. He was phoned in that in. That was phoned in. Come on. Yeah, that was. Fuck you. Fuck you both. (laughs) Oh, yeah, there you go. That's the attitude we need. Do it. Fuck off. I just. Bring that. Bring it. (laughs) On tonight's Dad Band Land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. I buy that. Please cut out all this banter, Kyle. It's fucking bullshit. Now we've got now, now this is like the Paula Poundstone podcast because we've got this extended cold open that we won't know what to do with. No, you, <laughs> I know what to do with it. You throw it out because no one wants to hear this. Everybody wants this. Yeah, hit, hit it, Dad uh, Van. We Land, hit it a long time ago. Here. What? <laughs> no, here we go. Why, we Jeffy's still lo- talking over top of you? Yeah. We hit it a long just time ago. Let it go, ago. man. Just this, this, just let it go. He hit it. He hits it as soon as I'm done saying. This is what we're going to talk about. Kyle will know what to do. Here we go. Kyle will know what to do. Yeah, he will know what to do. He will know what to do. If if he knows which side his butter is breaded on, he will (laughs) know what to do. (laughs) Butter is breaded on. (laughs) This this is an ill omen for the show. (laughs) Yes. So far, so good. So, guys, best show ever so far? Probably. So far. Tune in after this. There hasn't been any show yet. Well, then, we'll they're setting setting the bar high. I I would love to actually get to the show. You could stop talking and we'll get there. Oh, it's me. (laughs) At this point, it's you. Yeah. that train wreck you guys are going to hear if Jeffy has anything you, to do with it. Almost none, none of it. Oh, if I have so, anything to do with gold. it. Let's, let's act like most American families and pretend that trauma never happened. Uh, Dad yes. Band Land, the podcast where we talk about all the music we love from the point of view of a neighborhood cover band. I'm Adam Felber, your host. I am Kevin Burke, your co-host, and I'm demanding we keep that intro in. I think this is important to America. We'll Why see. are we still talking about it? We're not. Huh? Hey, We're talking about there? something that doesn't exist. You know what we're talking about, Jeffy? We're talking about Jeffy's jukebox. Let's in- introduce our chief technology officer, Jeffy Branion. Jeffy, what is happening on the jukebox this evening? And in the love. jukebox tonight, we have bands or artists that you originally disliked, 
then grew to love or tolerated. Yeah. Fantastic. And we have a special guest star used to hate now I love uh, thing because Jeffy and I had lunch together with somebody that you you'll, you guys will love this talk about it what? later this is a, hey, oh, a surprise wow hey Brian Frank you're also our friend and you're here you are the resident in that giant house up on the hill Brian's house of wax and what are you featuring on the front porch this this evening I I think we'll we'll talk about it in the mudroom but we're uh, we're discussing <laughs> Peter Peter Gabriel's fourth album. And his fourth self-titled album, which was originally released in 1982. Is there another name for it? In America. Uh, security. If you're American or Canadian, Security right. was on the shrink yeah. wrap, but not yeah, on we'll the talk, album cover. We'll talk, that's a great album. We're going to talk about the album. We're going to talk about Peter Gabriel. It's going to be a lot of fun. But first, we're going to talk about our band, Kevin. Talk to us about the band. What do you want to discuss oh, tonight? Because the band has a rehearsal well, you know scheduled dis- for this weekend. Uh, yeah, well, we, we've, as you know from last week, we have a functioning band, which is exciting. And, um, but we haven't been practicing that much to the point where we like, have a whole new song to learn or to teach or to help people understand. Right. But I, I wanted to talk about, which I think is a fascinating process, which is the process of deciding what songs we actually play. It's been really us, funny. <laughs> which for us, I don't, know, I don't know how other bands do it. But for us, it's a series of texts of almost giant wish lists combined with harsh opinions, combined with clearly ideas we're never going to do. So I, this, I, this sounds like our podcast, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? It's the same thing. It's thematically similar. But basically, I'm always looking for songs that can be done, you know, that that... There's a lot of great songs that no one wants to hear performed. You know, I mean, like at the end of the at the end of the day, you want someone to show up and enjoy seeing you, right? And so that eliminates a lot of music. And um, <laughs> sorry, and so, I'm not sure why I think that's so funny. It is it's funny, absolutely. And you know true. what? I, one of the dynamics of the band is I'm the guy who constantly says, "That's a great song. How many people are going to love hearing it in the audience?" That's oh. like I feel like that's and, one of know, my functions. And that and that I get yeah, but I also have to say that is a sliding scale because mm-hmm. that depends on on what we perceive. In fact, I had to, I had to throw out um, I had to throw out uh, Billboard numbers to you about a certain song to try to remind people. That we'll they get to that in a second. Absolutely, yes. yeah. Can I have a um, can I can I ask a question as a lady? Yes, please. Sure. Yes. Are there songs that are just not fun to play, but everybody loves? And is there like a sliding scale like of songs that you really don't like to play, but you know they're crowd pleasers kind of thing? There is, there's a lot of trade-off. It's not always songs that you don't love to play. It's often songs that you just don't love. I think I mentioned okay. on an earlier episode, I was in a band in college where um, this guy was like, we got to play 8675309 Jenny. And nobody uh, wanted to play it, even though it's kind of fun to play. It's not a song anybody really liked that much. And my friend said, just trust me, this will get everybody up and singing along. And he was absolutely right. Right. And I huh. do think, I don't know, I mean, at the end of the day, there are so many great songs out there that you don't really have to play a song you may personally hate. Like, I, I definitely made a, I, I will play generally anything, but there are a handful that I'm like, we can't do that that Tasty Freeze song by John Mellencamp. I, I won't do that. And Jack then, and Diane. Uh, Little Diddy. Jack and Diane. And then, uh, 
The other one, I and I want, I just don't, I don't want to do Sublime songs. That's my thing. I'm just not, I'm just not into that thing. But that's my personal thing. And if we were forced to, sure. But there's so many great songs out there that uh, you're, you can always find something that everyone agrees on. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get to the one that you and I disagreed on. And and with the one was, and it was really, I was kind of being a dick about it because it was yet another suggestion <laughs> oh, for no a keyboardless song. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was in the meantime by Space Hog. Yeah. Yeah, mm, and, which and is a great song. A it's great, a gr- huge and I song. immediately said, "I love that song." I also said, "I'm not sure that song is going to be one that our audience is going to love." Uh, after which you broke out some stats about how incredibly <laughs> popular that was. You attacked yeah. him with data. I it's no, with data. He, he attacked I, me with falsified I, data. He was like, no, that song was no, number six or something. That's, that's just the modern no, 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 way. No, 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 My data, I because once you can't trust your narrator, Adam, it's over. I attacked you with true data, and um, your brain didn't understand okay. it. What was your data then? Tell everybody what your data was. Um, I, I can't remember the numbers, but it was I gave you the, the rock charts um, on the UK and the US and how well it mm, did. Rock yes, charts. and it was on the rock, rock charts. Rock I, saw, I saw Brian rock nod right charts. there because he knows no, the weasel word to, there. Once you <laughs> Brian, go to rock charts, I knew ultimately <laughs> I could have done charts with an asterisk and then at the bottom say rock charts. Yes, but, <laughs> which is what you, you, you just said, rock charts. I just um, as soon as you charts. send somebody to rockcharts.com, it's all over. Yeah, it's I, all over. I, no. I pointed out that that song charted, I believe it peaked on the regular charts at number 34 oh. for a week. Well, yeah, I know, but sure, it peaked there, but it was losing to, like, No Diggity, which we're not going to be doing. You know? so I... That's a fair point. You have to realize that yeah. your configuration is you are a rock band. Exactly. Right? So you got to start there. But if you notice on my Instagram, sometimes I will strategically choose yes. the rock chart position in order to, to give a little extra love. That's and why sometimes I was watching I will you. Purpose, yeah, I will purposely use... The hot 100 position to show a different point of view. Uh, it's yeah, really I mean, fascinating. We're, we're using our data did. to, to yeah. that's what I did, but I was not, it was no. not falsified data. It was no, just it was not. I chose to provide you. I just wanted, I, my, my feeling about this is that you owe, a band always has to look to its base. And you never yes. know who's showing up at our dad band gig, except you know five people who are showing up are our wives. Sure. And how much do they love that song? Oh, it's 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 one of my compared to say five, tempted by top squeeze, ten, top ten song. I don't think my wife has ever heard tempted by squeeze, but she definitely knows in the meantime by space hog. So I think I go, should buddy. introduce you I to do, your wife someday. I think I do think <laughs> there is. I'm gonna put those out there, and maybe this. And again, we've talked about the slight, the handful of years, the the one high school sort of cycle that we missed, and yeah. when we're throwing out a lot of songs, there's a lot of. I'm going to say maybe an overly large amount of 1977 to 83 music for my yeah. tastes. Because there's, there's too there's much. When, when Tom Petty's thrown out, <laughs> it's always like the first, it's the first four Tom Petty albums. I'm like, well, what about Wildflowers? Or what about Full Moon Fever? Like the, which I You just like threw the out the two albums that don't have a keyboardist on them. His two solo albums. Yeah, just... There's it's a like, keyboardist on it's them. Like it's like reflex for you. <laughs> yes, it's yeah, a reflex. Yeah. You just pointed find out his two non-heartbreaker albums. The two albums Wait, without are you guys, Yeah. Are you guys covering the reflex by Duran Duran? Oh, we should you know, be. We are now. 
<laughs> we are we are now as of yeah. right now. But there's just uh, really no, it is such no, fun. I guess ones we're going to be list. covering Bond themes no, what's, next what's, week. What's really interesting is they, they we were playing the other day. Someone threw out a foreigner song, and I I know them all by name, but I couldn't think of how they go. Adam immediately knew this foreigner song. Like in two seconds, was starting to play. Oh, the when foreigner. we were jamming. Was it? Oh, yeah, because it was, it, it, was, um, it came out when I was like eight years old. It was cold as ice. Anybody cold who played as the, ice. anybody who played the piano. In <laughs> elementary school, knew how to do. Hey, Kyle, drop some cold as ice intro right here. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice. Isn't that amazing? Come on. Oh no, it no, is. And it, it is, and it's, and it's weird because if you had told me, I know the chorus. I would never have remembered "Cold as Ice" how the song goes. And as soon as you started playing that. Memories just came swarming. It was muscle memory I had forgotten about. That intro it, was so outrageous. It was literally muscle memory for me because I don't think I've played that song in any kind of in any kind of form since I don't know when did it come out. I was in third well, grade. Well, and it's weird because yeah, and I don't think about Foreigner ever. We were talking about this, and then uh, we were, I was recently watching footage, of, recent footage of Foreigner, and I was like, I'm not sure anyone's thinking about Foreigner that much anymore, <laughs> which is kind of profoundly wow. sad. On one hand, sad. On the other hand. It's about finding your audience. And you know what? I have a friend from high school who has a all 90s grunge rock cover band, dad cover band. And all they do, they wear like flannel around their waists. And Is they it called do, Dad Foreigner? I, You know what? I feel bad. I can't remember the name right now. But um, but he was a guy I was in a band with many years ago. And he plays. But that's what they do. Like they know that their audience is now dads who want to see hear Alice in Chains and Jane's Addiction and, oh my and God. Nine Inch Nails and like that. And that's absolutely spot on for their audience. Yeah, and I think right. that's right. I want to throw something out on the floor. Hey, listeners, if you have a suggestion for songs that you think Kevin and my dad band should cover, please either email them to dadbandland at gmail.com or hit us up on our show socials. I'm going to look at all those. We're going to look at all those, and we're going to create a five-song poll. You're all going to vote on them, and our band, by golly, will cover that song. Absolutely. Everybody, everybody out there who's listening, Sublime, Santeria. <laughs> I was going to say, Go. as, long, Damn you. As, long as, as long as it's not that John Mellencamp song about the goddamn Tasty Freeze. <laughs> Please wow. suggest Jack you're, and Diane. You're, you're, you're the natural enemy of nostalgia, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's nostalgia <laughs> on nostalgia. I am not nostalgic about a song about nostalgia. <laughs> and with that, let's go grab a cold one a tall cool one if you will down hey, at the ice hey, box hey, down the road that's some off-brand robert plant <laughs> hey well, there tall, Look, cool one. the man behind the bar who's also the proprietor of the jukebox is mr jeffy branion jeffy branion what are you Welcome. spinning in your jukebox tonight <laughs> well i'm spinning i'm spinning i, like that I made him the bartender of it yeah is it because i'm black yeah right exactly <laughs> hey and we'll have some wings <laughs> He's doing great physical comedy <laughs> for radio. Yeah, I, I'm doing I'm doing some really serious stair takes that no one can see. Um, okay, so I'm gonna start out and just say that I hated this band, and I I think I well, think, you want to give the general topic first, because to yeah, so it's bands. Are, us. Let's We're, just as a reminder, bands are artists that you originally disliked, then grew to love. And All right. I think the main problem was with this particular group is 
the album that was I was that I was first introduced introduced to uh, wasn't their best work. And uh, what I'm talking about is uh, Super Tramp's Bref- Breakfast in America. Oh my God! <laughs> first of all. I mean, I I get. I mean, that's again a bit before my time, but that was the only album I thought existed of theirs for until maybe about ten years ago. That's so right. You. I, you know, I it didn't. It wasn't that long, but I it didn't realize until much later that there were Super Tramp songs that I did know from earlier. From that you like their first and second right. album that I like that because I didn't. Uh, and I, I think I only liked them because I didn't know they were Super Tramp songs. <laughs> because you hated Breakfast in America. I hated Breakfast in America. You so hated much. the now, logical I don't song. anymore. I well, like I have, it I have a question about that because I, I kind of like it because it's all so smooth and catchy and whatnot. Right. And it seems like every song was Goodbye a hit off that stranger. record. Was, was that been... everywhere? Like when you yeah. were, when you were, was that on Ubiquity every doesn't even begin to describe <laughs> The amount of times that I would hear those songs. And so that's really the thing. I think that that's a a section of this topic, which is because I have one of those too, Jeffy, which Mm. is I dislike this artist because it was so damn popular that (laughs) I was reactionary to it. Yeah, I have one of those too. Brian, go ahead. Take it, Brian. Yeah, so mine in that that genre or in that um, concept was, uh, and I've talked about this a little bit before, Whitney Houston. Uh, because when I was uh, when I was young, uh, like elementary school dances, junior middle school dances, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was the music. I wanted to dance with somebody and all that stuff. And I was just like, no. I, I, you, you didn't know, I want to dance with, with somebody. I didn't. No. Well, I did, but that. I didn't want to dance, not, right? Not because yeah. I couldn't not dance and I was shy, right? It's, you know. Yeah. Um, I want to dance with and, somebody to anything but this song. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, uh, with the experience of many years and appreciation of her talent and learning her story and watching right. the documentaries, she's incredible. But it just, you know, you couldn't avoid Whitney Houston. You were, you were, if you didn't like Whitney Houston, you were wrong. And, and now you love her. Kevin, you have one of those? Too, she, well, I do. Not, not exactly, but I was going to say with Whitney Houston at the time, she was great, but there was a lot, it was like Jody Watley and Stacey Q and a number of people in the similar boat where you didn't realize she was that much more talented than all the right. other people that she was surrounded yeah. by. Uh, no, my, well, mine is kind of based on popularity, but it's also based on what they got popular for. And it's, it's a bit stunning for me how much I turned around both of my, I have two examples, but, but I think we all do. Give, give you one. Yeah. My first one is Stone Temple Pilots, oh. which yeah. when they first showed up, I, I could not stand them. They were such an overt Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam knockoff. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Nakedly derivative. Totally. Nakedly derivative. And I have a story about this, though, that, but I distinctly remember. This is about 95. I'm in, I'm in college. I'm at Penn State. And at Penn State, I had to drive from my off-campus apartment to get a bus to class. So I drove from my off-campus apartment, and the radio was on, and Big Bang Baby, the song, came <clears> on, right? And I'm like, and I'm like, this song is killer. What is this song? I got to know yeah. what this song is. Who is killing this? And then I saw my bus from my from my windshield. I saw my bus pull up. Everyone loaded. And the song wasn't over. And I did not know who made it. And I watched the bus leave. I just accepted that I was not going to class that day because I needed to figure out 
who sang this song. And at the end of it, they were like, the, the DJ was like, that's the new Stone Temple Pilots. And I was just dead faced in my car. <laughs> I <laughs> hear you. No, Are Kevin, you I had the same me? experience like as you. Dial's eyes. I was programmed yes, I was to like, hate them. Uh, and then I slowly uh, had to realize, oh my uh, God, this is a great band. And then, yeah, no, and a couple albums later, I mean, I, I owned more, I mean, I owned Talk Show and his solo albums and all this stuff. I think yeah. by the end, at the end of the day, <clears throat> Stone Temple Pilots made more great songs. Like if you collected all their great songs and, and traversed more of a rock scene through the 90s than Pearl Jam or Alice in Chains did, who both yeah. sort of petered out. In my mind, you know, after the first couple records, Stone Temple Pilots, I ended up loving by the end of the decade. And I could <clears throat> not too. have openly hated them, you know, and, and verbally. Been, I was yeah. telling my friends, like, they're terrible, all this stuff. That came around 100% on that. I want to bring on a related one because I have one that's very closely related to that. And I, and I do want to say, at some point... Brian Frank, we're going to bring you around on Stone Temple Pilots because I think they're fantastic. Um, okay, so to, um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Anyway, here's one. I'll just say the name of the band and then I'll explain what it was. Green Day. Mm. I could not have hated, and Brian will know what I'm talking about. I could not have hated Green Day more when they started because it felt like, oh my God, we've been through punk. We've been through post-punk. There's been some great post-punk bands. And now here's this young band in the early 90s that are trying to sound like a much slicker, more pop-oriented version <clears throat> of the music that you know had burned really hard and really politically and really chaotically and really bright for a reason. Like I don't I don't know anybody of of my not many people at least of my particular age who thought that Green Day didn't suck. Um I remember when Dookie wow. came but out this I had news to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I didn't no, know it this. was true. Cuz that was back me up. Green Green Day, I mean I didn't love Green Day, you know, like I wasn't a huge <clears throat> fan, but to me cuz I didn't Yeah. I didn't have an opinion on it. They were so cool. They were at least very cool and energetic they were and so exciting not cool. and for my generation that was super cool. Brian, can you want to weigh yeah, in on I this? Was, I was, I'm on Kevin's side. It depends, I guess, maybe when you were exposed. But when Kerplunk came out, that yeah. was a big deal to me and the the guys, I would, the band I was in at the time. We loved that record. We listened oh, to that all the time. Oh, I did not love Kerplunk. And, and then yeah. when Dookie came out, I had to start to realize that there were a couple of um, pop, pop, pop punk hits, which was a new idea back then, and that I, that I had to accept that I did like Basket Case. And I did like when I come around, but I didn't come around to liking the band. But year after year went by, then Blink-182 became a thing, and I realized, oh, punk pop really is a thing now, and I'm going to have to play video right. games to it for the rest of my life. And well, that's the thing is, <clears throat> when Dookie came out, I wanted to hate it because it was so slick and produced. It was right. so and slick. I just couldn't, and I couldn't deny it. And by the, the songs end, were so good. I, I was know, just like, okay, I know. Well, by were, the end of the '90s, yeah. I'd finally come around to it. By the time American Idiot came out, and that was their, you know, their big comeback, and it was at a time when suddenly, not only had I come full circle on Green Day, but Green Day had come full circle on punk and was politically relevant, which was crazy. Because American Idiot, for when it came out, was an incredibly interesting political record. Absolutely, they they were. I love. I enjoyed them in the in the nineties. Like I said, I wasn't obsessing them, but they were not a band I thought was going to survive into the two thousands, and they absolutely yeah. did. No, they're for reals, and I and I hated them at first. Hey, let's do a second round, <laughs> Jeffy. Yeah, well, this is really just a specific album because I don't really I, I I don't love the artists in general, but this album again was very popular at the time, and I didn't really get it, and then. 
I started singing the songs in rock oh. band. And <laughs> the video in the game, video rock game. band. Yeah. Yes. And then sure. I was like, these are some good songs. A couple of Soundgarden songs from Super Unknown. Yeah. Black Hole Sun and Spoon Man. Oh. Um, oh. Yeah. So you weren't a fan, you weren't a fan of, of I Soundgarden wasn't a fan until like years later when it was in a video game. Can I give? A, I want to give a little like, bit of oh. Jeffy Branion trivia, which is if you play rock band with Jeffy Branion, if you did <laughs> ten years ago, and he's yeah. singing, two things you know: you'll never hear him, and he will get a hundred percent while you're getting like seventy <laughs> percent. Wow! Like you're 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 jamming on those instruments, you're trying to make it happen. Jeffy has the microphone right up against his mouth right here, and he is nailing every single note, and you never hear his voice. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm, I'm wow. very shy. <laughs> but you're very accurately shy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only accurate because I know people can't hear me. <laughs> Kevin, give me another. That was a good one. Well, we, uh, yeah, my other one, and we talked about this a little bit before, but my other band, which it's pretty amazing how much I disliked them to how much I obsessed them, was U2, which was oh. because my, my first U2 experience was Joshua Tree, then Rattle and Hum, and I just figured I am never going to be into this jangly 80s hippie shit. And and the first thirty seconds of Actung Baby changed my opinion of them entirely. Just I really? same. Thirties. Same. I was like, Whoa! I was like, this is U two. This is that. And, and you know the whole Zoo TV era. Like I love nineties U two. And right now maybe that's not the coolest thing to say, but I preferred it to the overly sincere eighties U two because they were having fun. <laughs> they never I, seemed like they I were having fun in the eighties. I tolerated U two in the eighties, even in my dorm room. It was something like somebody would put on, and I'd be like. I never want to own this. Even the Unforgettable Fire. I was like, I recognize it's good, don't want to hear it. Octung Baby comes out in the 90s, and I'm I'm totally yeah. on board. That's still I my favorite YouTube album, and I, and I love that they I love that they were having fun, and I found that infectious, and that's I didn't realize that's what turned me off of the 80s stuff was how <laughs> serious and intense it was, and I just it wanted me, to be a little lighter. It made lighter. me go back, right? It made, you it go, made back me go back, and, and, now, yeah. and now I love it. I mean, in, in fact, I mean, Boy and War and... Um, and yeah. Joshua, I mean, like, there's some of my favorite U2 albums in the in the breadth of their whatever they're in their sixth decade or something at this point. And even yeah. Unforgettable Fire at this point maybe holds up. Maybe a oh, little. No, no, I, 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 yeah, no, I, I think it is good. But man, man, did I need Actung Baby? To, I mean, it's amazing how 30 seconds, like that intro, completely changed my perception of them. My well, we gotta hear them, it. Like the we gotta thing. hear it now. Yeah, play the beginning. No. Play, this is how Octung Baby changed mine and Kevin's. At the beginning of it, yes. Yeah, oh my god. Play it. Oh my god! Yeah, that's so yeah. good. That's the stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. No, right, Brian, you know Jordan, what? And I, and I think yeah. I talked about this. I had speakers across the room, so it actually traversed my room, and I oh. and I was just stunned by that. It was such a cool thing. Yeah, Brian, what's your next? Bring it <laughs> and a, you don't hate anything. This wasn't one. hard for you. Yeah. No, yeah. that's well. There are things that I have hated and grown to love. Tell us. And okay. uh, one of whom is uh, Neil Diamond. <gasps> so, oh. as a child. Neil Diamond was cheesy as anything. It <laughs> was right. what che people... Cheesy as fuck. You can say it. We're all yeah. thinking it. Uh, like, I remember, I have a couple of specific memories. One was being very, very young and, like, 
we went over with my parents. We went over to the, their friend's house uh, for us to play with their kids and the parents to like hang out. And coming to America was like playing on the turntable with that record. And it was just like, oh my God, like couldn't get more 70s than that. Uh, and, uh, and it was also the, he was the artist that people's parents they'd get babysitters to go to the concert together too. Yeah, yeah, that was in the, the guy, 80s, right? right? <clears throat> yeah. So I'm like out, would not listen totally. to it, would not care. And then I actually had, there was an artist that I managed, the singer was super into Neil Diamond, like unabashedly, like this is great music, Brian, you have to listen to this, you have to learn and understand how good this is. Started listening to it, really started to appreciate it. Then fell in love with him and his story. We went to um, his uh, his last show at uh, the Forum from his uh, final tour, and he does he did this like piece with videos like through the whole show. He traces his life and his story. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Wow. I know what I found that shit, and so I loved it because my mom basically force fed me Neil Diamond. I remember you saying that. Yeah. My Knight. wife. My and, wife went through you know, the same thing. I've never come around. Through. Those two things may well, not and be I, and, uh, and, exactly congruous, but I was well, fed I'm them. With, at the, I was force fed them at the same time. And I'm, I'm with you, Brian. <laughs> in that, in that part of part of it was a fashion thing, where like in my mind, well, at least when I was young, you know, he was like the Richard Simmons of rock music, right? Do you <laughs> know what I mean? Like he was just this thing from a previous period of time that right. was that was not connecting, and uh, and was just going to be a, some shtick. And then I remember at some point in the. 90s 2000s people started to say wait a minute you know he's actually really good and he writes good music yeah. and he's not he's not just about fly collars yeah. and this whole thing and yeah, he's and he's not just about blackface he's not just about blackface we did we did talk that's about true. that which i've never yeah. seen which i, I wasn't yeah, even I, you, you, you <laughs> only have to watch 10 minutes of the jazz we need we need to have that party and watch yeah that 10 that 10 minutes has never happened i've never even approached two oh boy yeah did it ever happen and then Lawrence olivier comes on the screen and sucks almost as bad as neil diamond but you know what yeah so many people love his music i want to throw one last one on and this one's gonna Yep, uh, I want to throw. That's right. I want to throw one last one on, and that is for me, Bob Dylan. Oh. He was he was an ancient joke. He was someone that my mom, who didn't listen to him, used to brag. Well, my roommate Sarah married him. Um, her oh, wow. roommate what? from college, what? Sarah, was was Bob Sarah. And just for um, the wrote, record, when you say when you say ancient joke, he was probably like thirty seven years old. He was he was probably twenty five. I don't know. He was really young. I mean, but double when digit I started years. When yeah. I started getting into, you know, the classic rock and and somebody put on Bob Dylan, I would hear a man who couldn't play harmonica. I wouldn't even bother listening to his lyrics. His band was always okay and on some of the songs I was listening to. I I, I didn't it's not like I hated Bob Dylan, but all I liked doing was kind of making fun of him because his voice sounded so weird and I could do a good impression of him. In fact, in the 90s, after I started liking Bob Dylan, at this cabaret rock club show I used to do, I would improvise a Bob Dylan song. I would get a household object, a woman's name, and I would improvise a Bob Dylan song with a couple of musicians. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. Sometime in, in the early 90s, I started... I guess somebody made me listen to Highway 61 Revisited, and I couldn't believe how good it was. And then somebody, another friend of mine who uh, uh, Jeffy knows, Michael Bernard, said that 
the most emotionally wrenching album he'd ever heard was Blood on the Tracks. But he wanted to listen to it all the time. So I gave it a serious listen. And Blood on the Tracks is one of the most aptly named albums of all time. And since then, I became somebody who really genuinely loves Bob Dylan, or at least a lot of Bob Dylan's work, hated him before. That's amazing. I, I haven't crossed that bridge, but I feel like you've just given me a map. Yeah, there it yeah, is. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's, <laughs> Highway sixty one is nothing right. but fun, and then do blood on track. See what happens <clears> to you. When, when I when I got into music, he was it was that era, like you were saying, Adam, a bit like doing Jack Nicholson impersonations, where everybody could do a Jack Nicholson or a Bob Dylan, and so he was mostly parodied. And then yeah. it's not until a period time time later where it dawned on me and, and that like, oh, wait, no, he's significantly better than anyone's giving him credit for being. Yeah. And he lasted longer. I mean, definitely by the late 90s, he was getting some respect back in a way yeah. that no one expected, no one anticipated happening. And then then that put everything else he had ever done back into a different perspective. I know. It's just amazing. I, I'll never dive as deep into Bob Dylan as a lot of like super hardcore fans will because often – depending on the era of Bob Dylan you're talking about, often to me the instrumentation is lacking. And that man never fucking learned to play the harmonica. However, his stuff is great. It's just well, and, and I have to add, too, there's a, there's a sort of, I would say, baby boomer aspect of it where I had long heard when he went electric, it was treated as if it was the Abraham Lincoln assassination, right? It was yes. some outrageous <laughs> thing. And then you hear it, and, and sure, it is shocking. He went from folk to electric, but it's only shocking if you obsessed folk to electric. By the time we got into music, the difference between folk and electric was, was non-existent. There it's was minuscule. not an issue. It's minuscule. Yeah. Hey, Jeffrey, you were about to say something. Yeah, my college roommate, Dave Yoon, he listened to Dylan all the time. And again, I just, I don't know, just my sensibility or like the kinds of music I was listening to at the time. This was yep. late late 80s, early 90s. I just didn't stick. And I've yeah. never, I've just sort of never gone back to it. But he had a, a profound love for the whole catalog. <laughs> Well, give yeah. yourself give yourself a chance on those two albums I name check because I think those are really the touchstones. There are people who will cool. say otherwise, but those people are obsessed. Hey, you know what you should <laughs> obsess about, everybody? These sponsors, Dad Man Land. We'll be right back. BBL. DBL is back, and oh my God, we had fun during the break. Um, we did. That could good, be a DVD cool. extra for us, but uh, maybe there's some, some <laughs> confidence is being violated there. So we'll see about that. Meanwhile, <laughs> wow, having slaked our thirst at that roadhouse, now I am tired. And look, yeah? over there, a ramshackle totally sign. Slaked. Yeah, there's a, there's a sign on the side of the road. It looks like it was just hastily painted this afternoon, possibly yeah, exactly. blood, saying vacancy. <laughs> But I'm, I'm tired enough to think that that decrepit old house might actually yeah. house. It's, so let's talk to the guy. <laughs> no, we should. It's a so, mixture of blood and tar, like, actually. And <laughs> tar and feces. It's so weird. Guitar uh, but why, you know what? They, made, they didn't have paint. We got to go in and, there. It's and he knows safe. that because we sent it to a lab, not because he tasted it. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, old timer, if we could get you to put down that bucket of tar, blood, and feces, um, we're, look we're looking Long to spend the to night. Uh, what, uh -huh. what is this place and what is happening in it tonight? 
This, oh. this, oh, man. <laughs> Brian can't we have got to stay here, Adam. We have got. We can't go anywhere else. Well, it says vacancy. Vacancy. <laughs> I'm not even gonna look for another place. This place is inviting. Yeah. I it only stay places that have hand stenciled signs. Yeah. I only stay places that have hand stenciled signs made with no blood. Feces yeah. and tar that aren't well, even dried. Place, that right. aren't even dried signs. Yes. Right. Oh, so we should, should we stay here? Should we yes. go inside? Yes. Should Let's we go, go inside? Oh, I see no downside. <laughs> it's perfectly safe. Yeah. This can't go wrong. <laughs> so, Brian, tell us what you got for us tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that. Wow. I was waiting for the moment to walk into no, it. No, there's no. It was closed. No. There's no open door for me. Just show wow. us to the obsidian altar. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I think that was a hell of an intro for the, yes. uh, the record we're going to be talking about tonight. That's <laughs> a way in. Which is, uh, yeah, which is um, Peter Gabriel's fourth album. And uh, as we talked about at the top of the show, it was his fourth consecutive self-titled album. But in America, Vain. his new label asked for, <laughs> asked for a title. Um, and so it was called Security. Not actually on the artwork, though. It was just on the shrink wrap over the artwork. I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Just to differentiate before it from the, the Before we get to the record, I just want to say, was that just straight up trolling on Peter Gabriel's part? I mean, as a fan, did he have a system to just, he just wanted every record to be Peter Gabriel and did not want people to be able to tell the difference? Was there a method to this? I think he he wasn't really into album titles. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. In fact, in fact when was he was finally his, convinced yeah. after this album we're talking about right now to put some other name besides Peter Gabriel on his next album. He defiantly named it So. Right. Yeah. No, you and know, and got, after that, it's yeah. us. Like, he he, he never yeah. went beyond, yeah. and then it's up. He never went beyond yeah. two letters for and any, of these, he was uh, mad. any of these records. But anyway, yeah. let's, uh, no, to, to quote it. something from an earlier segment, for. Pete's coming to America. So, uh, uh, this album was originally released on September 6th, 1982, which would make it uh, 40 years old around the time of this recording. Yes. The version that I listened to was the uh, 2016 uh, half-speed remaster reissue on 180 gram vinyl. All my other Peter Gabriels are originals, uh, really flimsy, late 70s, early 80s uh, right. U.S. pressings. But this one, I really wanted to get that half-speed remaster. Tell us what that means, the, half speed. So when they do the um, replication of it, it's actually done at half of the speed to capture more of the um, sonics. What do you call that? And the sound wave, basically. So it's still right. 33 right? RPM, but they're cutting the no, vinyl it's, it's at half speed. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. So it yeah. gets more information. It's like recording at SP. More Jeffy, information for, for, a VH, for a VHS person. It's recording at yeah. SP. It's like before, it's before the podcast is dead. CLV for you laserdisc right. nuts out there. <laughs> <laughs> before this, it's like SAC. Is- it's like SACD for those of you, for the three of you who bought an SACD player. Before this podcast is dead, I guarantee you that Brian and Kevin are going to turn Jeffy into a guy who has a has bought a separate house for vinyl. <laughs> it's yeah, gonna have, guys, it's our goal. You it's guys goal. know, you guys, I can't open that door. It's permanent. No, I don't. I don't want you to. I don't no, want you to because if you could look through the door, no, I, yeah, I can't if even, you could look. No. 
Yeah. If you look through the door of the vinyl closet that I'm staring yep. at, Jeffy, yep. it would fully I, convince you <laughs> this is, not to Your open vinyl the door. closet has this has this uh, Edgar Allan Poe-esque, like you try to build a wall yeah. to, to to not see it, and it's just it's yeah. the telltale it heart of vinyl. It's His just vinyl totally closet is so it. large there's a fucking Starbucks in there. <laughs> I accidentally left the, no, I accidentally left the door open. When before the taping, and it's been staring at me the whole time. Usually the door is closed. It's anyway, been staring at yes. you. Let's yeah. get yeah. back yeah. to the album. So uh, this album was recorded uh, in 1981 and into 1982 solely on digital tape, which oh. makes it somewhat I- ironic that, uh, I, didn't know that. I-, I like it on analog, um, with a mobile studio parked in front of his home in Somerset. Uh, and Peter Gabriel performed on a Fairlight CMI computer, along with the synthesizer wow. piano. He also uh, played the sordo on Rhythm of the Heat and Kiss of Life and drums on San Jacinto. He produced the you album. want to say what a sordo is? It's a big drum. It's, it's, yeah, it's like, a big, uh, it's like a big African kettle drum. <laughs> yeah, it's a big drum. Um, and his co-producer on this album uh, is a guy named David Lord. And David Lord played synth on the songs Lay Your Hands on Me and Wallflower. He also played piano on Wallflower and Kiss of Life. Uh, interestingly enough, in 2015, David Lord was convicted of running a brothel out of his house, uh, which isn't the biggest uh, and most interesting connection to us. He also, guys, produced the XTC album, The Big <laughs> Express. He did? He did! <laughs> Which is the most weirdly produced XTC album ever. I like that you it's I like a, you ranked them in order of offense, too. It was owning a brothel yeah, and but, then but made Brian, an XTC album. Isn't there one more offense that involves Peter Gabriel here? What do you mean? Uh, David Lord and Peter Gabriel I and Peter know. Gabriel's wife. Oh no, you're, no, you're opening no. right, I'm gonna have to look this up. I thought I read do this it. this week that David Lord ended up uh Running off with Peter Gabriel's wife after this album. <laughs> oh, that's possible. I, I, I would have to look I, it up. I, I can't. I can't verify gonna that. Wa- you're definitely yeah. going to want to fact check that. I'm going to fact yeah, check listen. that. And Kyle, take it out if it's <laughs> not true. If not, ha ha! fact. Please, please do. Here's the thing: is when I hit brothel and XTC, I was good. I didn't need any more information <laughs> yeah, you know, about David Moore. Exactly. Like, you've like, run the out. you've run the table at that point. <laughs> this is yeah. enough. Yeah. So um, preliminary wax facts. <laughs> so uh so going going back to peter gabriel himself yes uh what is really interesting to me about this record and really appealing is as i mentioned he used the the fair light and really it's so cool how he uh includes the percussion in with the electronics that to me is mm-hmm. is the ultimate statement of this record and something that really attracts me to it. And uh, there's a quote about hit that he, he said about this album where he said, I've got back into a rhythm consciousness and the writing, particularly with the invention of these drum machines is fantastic. Mm. You can store in their memories rhythms that interest you and excite you. And then the groove will carry on without you. And, and the groove will be exactly what you want it to be rather than what a drummer thinks is appropriate for what you're doing. So I don't know if that was a dig at Phil Collins, because they also work together, but I thought that was interesting. Did he not use the Fairlight on the third album, on his third record? He did. He did. 
It was three and four that really had this kind of sound. Well, yeah. The reason I bring up the drum thing is three is the one where that what became known as the Phil Collins sound, where they rolled off all the high end and it becomes really just sort of a low that boom, gated boom, drum, stoomp, that gated yep. drum thing that became the Phil yep. Collins sound, but also sounds like a drum machine to some extent. That starts yes. on that on Peter Gabriel three, and it's interesting to me that in four here, he's moved into the machines, kind of doing a variation on what he had created with Phil Collins on three. That's exactly What's right. This? That's exactly right. So as I mentioned about the the label and the name, this is his first release on Geffen Records in the U.S. Mm. Atlantic had distributed his first two albums, uh, which is Genesis's label. And amazingly enough, they passed on Peter Gabriel three. Oh wow! And so oh my they, God! They listened to it. They didn't like it. He signed with Mercury as a one-off, and it turned out to be his commercial breakthrough. <laughs> so it shows what what yeah. they knew. It shows they what knew, record right. labels know. Uh, with Biko, which is a song sure. that probably everyone knows, in Games Without Frontiers, oh, and then that after song. that one-off with Mercury, he went to Geffen, where where he stayed. Um, the album peaked at number six in the UK, number 28 in the US. Uh, Where was it on the, U- on the US rock chart? Yeah, what about the rock charts? Rock charts. <laughs> and <laughs> this is not as, not as high of an entry uh, as uh, three, but Shock the Monkey yeah. hit number one on the rock chart. Oh, yes. yes. Rock charts. <laughs> rock charts. Rock charts. Charts and Wax number twenty nine on the Hot One Hundred, which was his first top forty hit. Oh, that's oh, that's yeah. interesting. That that makes wow. sense because most people know that song from this from this record. Do you, do you yeah. know, like if we want to go into detail about that? And yeah, and to me, that's my least favorite song on this record. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> yeah, it's it's the least interesting, least emotional. I mean, it's a great song. Don't get me wrong. But great it's song. Just, all the other yeah. songs are so moving. And so emotional, at least to me, Shock yeah. the Monkey is is just catchy. It's great. It's almost it's a novelty song compared to the rest. Yeah. I mean, if you think yes. about think about his vocals in the rhythm of the heat. Oh. And when he sings oh, yeah. the rhythm has my soul, like he's he's in feeling it. it and making oh. you feel it as well. It, yeah. In it's, fairness let, to Shock the Monkey, it. in fairness to Shock the Monkey. And yeah. I and I'm with you. It's the sort of popish. There's a couple of songs that are more poppy on this. The fact that Shock the Monkey was a hit, a song about shocking monkeys for testing in the video was horrifying. Like it does, it shows that Peter Gabriel wasn't pulling any, you know, pulling any punches in terms of writing. He never a pop pulled song. a punch. <laughs> right? He literally like, says, "Watch the monkey get hurt." Yeah, <laughs> and it, and and it was a hit. It was a big hit. It's insane that that was the hit. That that's the catchiest poppiest song on this record yeah. and it's about testing on mummies. it's about animal torture <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so brian are those your wax facts because it sounds like we're getting to the discussion section uh i have a couple of fun facts that, that's the oh. wax facts fun facts there's some fun, fun facts. Wax facts. Wax um, facts so jeffy jeffy and my favorite the rhythm of the heat uh appears in the opening scene of episode 21 of the first season of Miami Vice, Ooh. which premiered on May 3rd, 1985. Three years after the album, it actually appeared on the first well, season of Miami Well, it's hot in Miami. That's true. Miami's yeah. very Spitzen. hot. It's like Africa. It's hot. Well, and to, um, to that point, I was going to say, compared to the <laughs> compared to three or so or whatever, 
that song, but this album in general is a bit more filmic. It, it's 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 not yeah. fun. It's it's dramatic and filmic, and I'm not surprised yeah. it was used for soundtracks. <clears throat> well, Biko Biko was actually also in that same episode, that makes which sense. leads me to the next uh, the sub fun fact. Fun fact. Peter Gabriel <laughs> had seven songs on Miami Vice, oh, wow. the most songs by any solo what? artist ever in the series. <clears throat> He is really? also the only artist to have a song used in four of the five seasons of Miami Vice. None of his songs were in the second season, but Take Me Home by Phil Collins, which features backing vocals by Peter Gabriel, was used in the season premiere of wow. season two. Well, you, know, it's appeared on every you, know, season. you know what's interesting is if you look at the soundtrack to Miami Vice, for instance, Everyone thinks it's Phil Collins doing all of his Phil Collins and Smuggler's That's Blues right. and stuff. So it is a bit surprising to me that it's actually Peter Gabriel who has more music in the show than yeah, Genesis for Phil Collins. Five of the nine songs on So were in Miami Vice. Oh wow! Well, we wow. can get to So in a minute because So is <clears throat> okay. So is the album that came after this one, and it's the one that uh, you know a lot of people think of as his high watermark, and it is an unbelievably mm. great album. But there's so much to love on this more or less untitled yes. album. So let's Wait, let's get more, to this. one more fun fact. Okay. One more fun fact. There's also a German language version of this album that I was released just, simultaneously. I just saw that it's on streaming, right? Deutsch's album, you can stream it. <laughs> and um, it's not his first, but his second German language album, because Peter Gabriel III, Ein Deutsch's album, also I, was I released. I just learned this today that it existed. It's like today that I weird learned. Spanish David Lee Roth record where I'm like, who oh, had these? Oh, that's not weird. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it is not, great. Not, it is great. has that, though. No, it's okay. weird that oh, no one yes, bought people it. people do. Yes, that is oh, a fact do. that is fun, no doubt, it. no doubt. All right, I'll, I'll kick this off really quickly, and then everybody else can jump in. And I'll say this. When I was doing alternative comedy in downtown New York in the 90s, there was a woman who was in a comedy duo who one night backstage or maybe after the show at the bar confessed to us that when she heard the sound of a bagpipe up close or loudly, she could not help but cry. Bagpipes made her cry. There was no reason for it. Bagpipe music wasn't part of her past, but it was a thing. And we and me and my um, a sketch partner said, "Hey, we're hosting a show um, in October. Would you, if we could get a bagpiper, would you sit on stage and we could ask the audience to watch? We'll tell the audience what's going on and we'll see if you can resist crying." And she said, "Totally, I'll do that." And <laughs> this we is did exactly that. what I thought New York alternative comedy was. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Although, if you want to know, know what the rest of it is, listen to Mark Marin. Uh, he'll tell you exactly what an asshole he was. Um, in any case, um, we did this, and it took about 30 seconds with a bagpiper in full kilt. She resisted for about 30 seconds. At the 40-second mark, you could see some, and by 45 seconds, she was sobbing. Uh, just sobbing, because the sound of the bagpipe that close to her made I'm not going to say the 90s, man. The 90s were just fucking weird. Just they were fucked up. Bottom. Here's the thing. For reasons, even though I probably would put him not in my top 10 artists, but in my top 25 maybe, Peter Gabriel can reduce me to to tears in no time. Nothing flat. His music is right. so emotional. There's something about the way he expresses himself. He's my bagpipes. And listening to this album, which is one of his best, although not necessarily one of the ones that people think about first when you think about Peter Gabriel, 
it was an amazing experience this week. I wanted to live yeah. inside this album. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I had the same experience it. in the car today, listening to it again, and the rhythm of the heat. Like I was like, I suddenly found myself blinking and 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 having difficulty seeing as I was yes. driving, and I was. <laughs> There was suddenly, there was like, I don't know, my uh, eyes were like wet or something. Yeah. And I was like feeling stuff. And it was like, there wasn't, it wasn't road rage. Um, no. I'm not sure. How about no, Wallflower, like, you know. which is kind of, Wallflower is kind of yeah. this, the sequel yeah. to Biko, but it's about uh, um, Central and South American prisoners, I believe. Um, that, it's just, it's just gut-wrenching and beautiful at the same time. Well, so his voice. I, the same, oh, oh. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say. say yeah. <laughs> Continue. I had the same experience as you, Jeffy, except mine was in London. So a couple of years ago, I was in London for an extended trip, uh, missing my wife, missing my home. And while riding around the tube all day, going to meetings and stuff like that, I had downloaded high res audio of this album. And I was listening to it on my headphones on the tube. And I was sitting there and just like welling up with tears in the yeah. middle of the yeah. train ride. You know? I, I, I was yeah. amazing. Just, just in this <clears throat> yeah. week, just in this week, because for me, I mean, I love Peter Gabriel. I love his run. His voice has an honesty to it that most people are afraid to go towards. And he, he's even said that, um, that, uh, Phil Collins is a is a variation. I mean, almost a very similar voice, but the poppier, more slick, professional version of Peter Gabriel's voice. Yeah. And but Peter Gabriel's voice, he did a cover of his album a few years ago, which I don't typically love covers albums, but he does a cover of Heroes, <laughs> David Bowie Heroes, which everyone's covered. But his voice alone is enough to almost elicit tears, just straight out. Yes. Yeah. He does that it's falsetto ridiculous. switch at times where he's just singing and deep and all of a sudden switches that falsetto. And it's, it's not so even a great voice. Honest. It's no, just it's pure. It's it's not great. It's incredibly. It, it, it might even be described in some ways as thin, right? But right. yeah, well, he's, he's got so he's got the whispery low range and the high, and and the thin high range, and and so, but it's so expressive and so emotive that it it covers up. Like there are plenty of artists who have bet more range and, right. and <clears throat> better everything, really, but. There aren't a lot of artists who sing with that kind of precision in terms of emotional intensity. Absolutely. Uh, pardon me. And, I would like to never. believe it's his first take. I'd like to believe he goes in, does a take, because there's such an honesty to it, not a performance to it, but an honesty. And he's like, no, I he, can't top that. But if you I'm not going to bother listen, trying to top that. If you that. listen to his live albums, that is not the case. Right. <laughs> well, well, and I think I'm going to put that right now. I think he deserves... More love. It's time for us to sort of reappreciate Peter Gabriel. He got love at the time, but looking back, like, I mean, like Phil Collins and Genesis well, deserve love too. But they, Peter Gabriel, the fact that he was so massively successful doing things like Shock the Monkey and these yeah. uh, these things that aren't commercial in the way compared to Phil <clears throat> Collins or even Genesis at the time is pretty astounding. And I you know he I want I want to echo that and take it to another level, which is he's widely credited for being one of the people who brought so-called world music to America and England. Right. And and he absolutely did. He set up a foundation that does exactly that. He he has been on the forefront of so many amazing causes. Um, there are cuts on this album where he is using African music and <laughs> and and uh, South American music and bringing these rhythms and he's some and it won the final the finale on the album. He's actually 
he's actually kind of using a um, a patois, if you will. It's not perfect uh, English in any way, and he's a perfectly English gentleman. And it does not feel like appropriation. It feels like a gift from a place that he loves. And that's amazing right. to me. It's part of the because, sincerity of what he does. It's yeah, just, absolutely. Sincerity, sincerity is really the key here. Like, totally. his ideas are great. And because he's so raw and so willing to commit in such an obvious way, like, not all artists' uh, commitment is uh, indi- indicated by their performance, right? Sometimes right. it's right. all the hours that it took to, to bring them to this place. But he... Has brought he brings that to the performance in a way that is astounding. Hundred percent. But I want to just like separate it from <clears throat> Peter Gabriel. If you didn't know who he was and didn't know what the song "Kiss of Life" was and how glorious and beautiful it is, the lyric of this Englishman singing "See me a big woman, big woman, look how you dance. See me a big woman, big woman caught in a trance," you might think like, "Oh yeah. my God, what is he trying to do?" I mean, I right. certainly don't want to hear you say that again. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's why the little his little tall, cool one rap moment, yeah. on, uh, which is on, now a thing, on on lay your hands on me, yeah, doesn't bother me so much. No, right, because yeah, like, it is fairly sincere. It's the sincerity. No. He's not. He's not mm-hmm. trying to steal something or trying to do something. That, certainly not trying to do something that's trendy. He's, he's certainly trying to not trying loves. to make money off of it. <laughs> no, no, he has no interest in cashing in on this, and and we uh, and I do I do generally feel like there just aren't the people manning his his legacy the way they ought to be, you know, because these are absolutely astounding records. That yeah, I mean, just hearing discussion. the percussion, the, percu- the the style of percussion that you hear on this album. It just wasn't on any other kind of popular music at the right. time, and, and it's now, gorgeous. It's it yeah it's it it it's the kind of thing that now it's like you take it for granted but think about when that album came out 40 years ago right. sure and you're like what the fuck well, well we that, did a 1982 album. album last week and it was Yaz yes and right. all their drums like Yaz definitely had a different style yes and well and like I was saying earlier three and four Peter Gabriel three and four ended up being the sound, the drum sound, especially of the eighties, like the percussive sound of the decade. And that's absolutely Joe Collins career. <laughs> hey, um, anybody have any closing thoughts on this? All I want to say, one other thing I want to say is that just the production, I, I don't care if David Lord took his wife away or whatever. Um, the sound Allegedly. on this album, <laughs> or even if crimes. he saw, even, or, or ran a brothel, even if, <laughs> These songs weren't great, and they are great. Just bathing in the waters of the sound of this production makes listening to this album worthwhile. It is beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 Never gets old. Never gets old. And I, and I don't think there's a bad Peter Gabriel record, top to bottom, but this era is just in this in this zone that's sort of unparalleled. Yeah, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. All right, you know what else is mind-boggling? How much you need these products! Woo! <laughs> Dead Man Land will be right back. DBL! DBL, which stands for Dad Bad Land. We are back, (laughs) and we are having a good night tonight, everybody. Um, Summer is starting to draw to a close, but, uh, you know, the fall is coming. And in the fall, what will happen, Kevin? 
uh, our dad, dad band, band will play. Will <laughs> yes. exist. We will play. We songs, will exist. Hit songs that people will want to hear. Much like Jesus, but in a different season, we will rise again. Um, but now it's time <laughs> for one of our favorite segments. Um, it is time for hidden treasures, songs that you know we want to bring to each other because you probably don't know them. We want to bring them to you because you probably never heard them. And if you heard them, then you feel that much better about yourself. Yeah, you know you're yeah. cool if we bring it up. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, <laughs> we I'm give you validation a- either yeah. way. We validated your coolness or gave you something great. Or both. Now, here's something fun, guys. And I want to, can I tell you a little road trip story? Please. Absolutely. Yeah. In the late summer, just like now, of 2004, my wife and I moved out to L.A. We drove across the country racing our furniture, uh, which was going in a truck. So we couldn't stay very long in any one place. I had a head writer gig on a new late night show, which was canceled as we drove across the country. But we didn't know that yet. (laughs) Living the dream. (laughs) Living the dream. But... We one night I wanted to spend was a night in Memphis. I was like, we can stop in Memphis. It's going to be fun. I've been to Memphis. It's awesome. We're going to see the Peabody Hotel. We're going to see the Ducks, and we're going to hit Beale Street. Unfortunately, we hit Memphis on a Monday night, so we were able to go to what is that place? The Renaissance for ribs, which is great. The Memphis Dry Rub ribs, and then we hit Beale Street, which unlike say Bourbon Street or other big music quarters, Beale Street is like two blocks. Have you guys been there? No. I've never been there. No, but did you walk in Memphis? Oh, we went walking <laughs> in Memphis. And we sang that song okay. as we walked down the street, Brian. I guarantee you. Um, but a- so after we grabbed our ribs, we hit um, a couple of the places. On Beale Street is only like, the clubs are only take up like two blocks. But there was nothing happening because it was a Monday night. We walked into a joint called the Rum Boogie. And in the Rum Boogie, there was good music happening even on a Monday night. And we walked in, and there was this blues trio on stage, and they were burning. We walked in at the beginning of a guitar solo, and they slapped. I looked at the chalkboard. It said Billy Gibson Band. I assumed the guitarist was Billy Gibson because he was crushing. And then there was a bass solo, and then then there was another guitar solo, and it was fantastic. And all the time, while these three great musicians were playing, and they were middle-aged um, they were middle-aged bluesmen. They were black middle-aged bluesmen, of, and they were killing. But there was this weird-ass white boy who looked like he was 22 years old at the side of the stage wearing an Oxford shirt, um, kind of dancing on the stage. And Jeannie and I just kind of figured he was their mascot. Um, it was weird. He was dancing. They were playing. They played, and they played 15 minutes. And then, weirdly... The, the dude in the the white dude in the Oxford church steps up to the microphone and says, we'll be back after this. We're going to take a break. <laughs> and Jeannie and I were like, oh, it's the Make-A-Wish Foundation. <laughs> they gave this guy the night to, to like MC his favorite band because this blues band is killing us. Okay, so Jeannie and I stayed because we can't believe how good these musicians are. It's a Monday night. And when the next set starts... Instead of just standing at the side of the stage, this 22-year-old, or at least that's what he looked like, kid, walked up to the microphone and took out a harmonica, and this is what we heard. Kyle hit it.
Hey, Kyle. Wow. Skip ahead to the 150 mark, will you? Just because I want these guys to hear a little more in solo, even if we don't keep this on here. Who, so, who so it was, it was Bob Dylan on harmonica? <laughs> it's, it's not, not Bob good. Dylan, as it turns out. That's why it kind of brings it in full circle there. Um, uh, yeah, that's uh, his name is Billy Gibson. That was the Billy Gibson band. Billy Gibson, you can find a lot of his stuff on um, on Spotify and Apple Music nowadays. You won't hear that album. He has since uh, become a guy. He's trying to do standards. He's trying to he's trying to sing blues. He's got a reasonably good voice, but. The way he came to fame in Memphis was by being a three-time over national harmonica champion. You know, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of uh, room in the record industry for great harmonica players, but that dude wow, slaps so it. hard. You know, just crushing yeah, it amazing. with a, with a little amazing. more of a earthy and guttural. Like he's not John Popper. He's not just you know tootling around on the high notes. He is just tootling around on the high notes. In it. Oh, I think John oh, Popper wow. would. Uh, I know. I know. That's not fair. And I love John Popper. I love the harmonica. A well played no, harmonica that's, that's is crazy. Clearly. That was great. It's like the uh, it's like the keyboard of blues. <laughs> The harmonica. It's, yeah. It's, it, right. Wait, right. what? It's like the mouth yeah, keyboard of the blues. It's, it's like the final it's like the mouth blues. keyboard. Okay, yeah. but people did play the <laughs> keyboard in the blues. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there you go. Billy Gibson, everybody. If you can get a hold of that album, I don't know where you could, but it's fantastic. Anyway, let's move on. Brian Frank. Uh, so mine is, is quite a different turn. I think this will be interesting. Uh, <laughs> This is a this is a song that was released on December sixth, twenty sixteen. It was the lead single for an album that came out uh, February twenty seventeen uh, from a British band. I'm trying to drop hints to see if anyone can pick this up. The name of the album was Little Fictions. Nothing, right? Okay, Kyle, could you play us some of this beautiful, beautiful song, please? That was a band called Elbow. The name of the song is Magnificent, she says. Uh, it's beautiful. Peter Gabriel reminded me yeah. of, uh, of this. How did that not get say, recorded totally in 1989? <laughs> right? Yeah. No, the, uh, but wait to hear the end with the orchestra. Yeah, wait to hear the end with the orchestra. So are you guys familiar at all with uh, Elbow? Do you no, know that band? I am not. No. Oh, really? Uh, they had a record in maybe mid-2000s that was that actually uh, made, you know, made some noise in America. 2008, uh, called The Seldom Seen Kid. That was like their big record. Uh, it uh, won the Mercury Prize. Uh, anyway, check them out. They're an incredible band. They went away for a while. This was their comeback, essentially. And that song is just beautiful. Uh, the video is beautiful. Uh, that is gorgeous. Check them out. That was beautiful. absolutely great stuff. Great stuff. Yes. No harmonicas. Thanks. No harmonicas. No harmonicas. <laughs> but you know what? They didn't know Billy Gibson at the time. 
2008, I wouldn't have been listening to music. That was the year my my first child was born. Jeffy no, Brannion. No, this song was 2016, though. Oh, that was the year my uh, third child was born. I don't have a third child. Okay. Jeffy Brannion, go ahead. <laughs> I have brought us a gem from 2010. Ooh. Okay. Uh, this, is, this is from a soundtrack album. Um, uh, actually, uh, it's the second, the second soundtrack album for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Oh. <laughs> And um, a great movie. This is a great movie. Really is. And uh, this is this song is from one of my favorite scenes uh, when there's uh, basically a base off between Scott Pilgrim yes. and uh, one of the ex boyfriends. <laughs> this is called Base Battle. Who's, goes, who's playing those basses? So, yeah, who uh, is that? So sorry, it's it's um, Justin Metal Johnson, Nigel Goodrich, mm -hmm. and right. Jason. Sorry, Justin Meldel Johnson, Nigel yep. Goodrich, and Jason Faulkner. Oh wow! Interesting. Wow. So in the in the in the movie, it's just. Scott Pilgrim and uh, the Brandon Routh ex-boyfriend going back and forth like, yeah. oh, this is what you got? Let me show you what I got. And Underrated movie, 100%, by the way. That's a great, great, oh, great, great movie. Rather, yeah. Thank you for yeah. bringing that hidden treasure to us, Jeffy Brandon. Face battle. Kevin battle. Burke, bring us back. Bring us okay, back so, yeah, so people have long told me, they're like, Kevin, your dream of mixing R&B with the intensity of heavy metal, could never be achieved. And, uh, you know, there's no way that R&B songs, catchy R&B songs with palm-muted guitar chugging can happen. But uh, naturally, Wait a minute. really just to prove me wrong, in the most recent Prince album, which is Welcome to America, released in 2021, but was recorded in 2020 and shelved, um, he drops a song right near the end called Yes, which manages to achieve my dream by having an R&B song with these chugging guitars in different sections. Be, be, before you yes. start this, I want to say that, that that's those are some very specific naysayers you have in your life. Yeah, you know, they may also be myself. <laughs> they might be the voices that I hear telling me uh, I can't Kevin, achieve these things. Kevin, yes. yeah? is this friend you? Yeah. No, no. I was like, you guys are losers. Um... <laughs> Here we go. Here's Yes by Play Prince. It. If you're tired of being sick and tired, say Summer's here, it's time to start a fire. Come on. Transformation of every heart. Everybody's got to play the part. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Can you put those sounds together? The answer is yes. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes. 
No, it's a great song. It is one of those things. I mean, it was a record that he made, and he dropped a lot of music and just shelved it for reasons never really explained. And there's just some absolute gold in there all the time. And but that's he one put of those on songs. like an old timey R and B show and added his guitar to it. It's fantastic. And then, yeah, yeah, it's got this gospel <clears throat> feel, and then it's got this chugging middle section where it's like junk, 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 and I'm like, this it can be done. It can be done. Yeah, naysayers, can be I, done. Mean. by Prince. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the only requirement is that you have to be Prince. <laughs> yes. And so few of us are these days. Yes. <laughs> Not even Prince is Prince anymore. <sighs> Thanks, Jeffy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry way to bring, bring it down. down. Way to bring the is down there at the end there. <laughs> yeah. This has life. been a fantastic episode. Before we go to our credits, hey, Kyle McGraw. Who, by the way, is a great musician in his own right, in a in a burning oh, yeah. band that everybody will hear about very that soon. That is true. Kyle, Kyle, it is time for the crown of fame here for our hidden treasures. What do you got? All right. So this is what this is what I got this week. Adam, um, I have a very similar experience to being in uh in Memphis, Tennessee, walking down Beale Street and uh seeing a killer band. Um, we had dinner at BB King's. Yeah. And, uh, I had catfish for the first time. I just, you know, I love fish, but um, never had catfish. So that, that was good. Uh, I thought you were going to be a contender until yeah. I heard Jeffy's. But wait, hold on. <laughs> Stay with me here. Um, so, yeah, I love that Scott Pilgrim scene. I mean, the soundtrack is is awesome. but It's killer. Kind of, yeah, it's great. Top to bottom. I feel like uh, you told me that Santa Claus wasn't real because I thought Michael Sarah was playing the bass that entire movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. what, what, what are you saying about what are you saying about Santa Claus, Kyle? Though, let's get to that. No, 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 yeah, nothing. No, 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 nothing. no like, we're not going to talk about that. It. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, not that Santa no, Claus think, can be spoiled because Santa Claus is real. Oh yeah, to all the kids listening, he is he is real. Um, all our kid fans, we're really big in the eight-year-old demographic. He's real. <laughs> Good band, man. Uh, the crown of fame goes to Brian Frank this week Woo. because, yeah, I just I love that. Um, that was a killer song. It, it sounded like the the dude's vocals sounded like a mix of like Morrissey and you know as you said Peter Gabriel. I definitely want to hear their entire catalog based yes, on hearing I'm, that yeah. one song. I, that. <laughs> I added it to my library. I'm gonna listen to it this year when I go snowboarding. Um, nice. Guy Garvey is his name, by the way, everybody. Guy Garvey is the lead. Guy Garvey. Call I call him Gee Garvey, yeah. but that's because I'm, you know, I'm such a Francophone. Hey, uh, Brian Frank, congratulations on your crown of yeah, shame. Good work, and Brian guys, Frank. that was an intensely fun episode of Dad Band Land, yeah. and we intensely are at the end intense. of it. Yes. Hey, fans, send your questions, comments, and your own cover band experiences to dadbandland at gmail.com or hit us up on all the socials. We're getting better at them every day, and you're getting better at getting back to us about the stuff that we're getting better about every day. Go to the socials. Dadbandland is produced by me and by Jeffy Brandon. Opening music montage by Jeffy. Editing and Starburns production by Kyle McGraw. Our theme song is by Adam Korn and DBL Guys... I couldn't have had a better time this evening than to hang out with you gentlemen. DBL! It was fun, DBL. DBL! A podcast network.